Hello, just wanted to get ahead of this as always. Remind you that Cavalcade Tales contains adult language and adult themes. In addition, this episode is about monsters, so be ready for discussions of murder, suicide, uh, sexual assault, and all the terrible things that monsters do. Listener discretion is advised. And as always, if you or someone you know is currently going through a mental health crisis, uh, the mental health uh, hotline is 988. Thank you, and uh, please enjoy the show. It's like sometimes we get ready to record episodes, and then life gets in the way. So we have to put episodes on a back burner. And sometimes that back burner apparently is four months. But now, now is the time. Now, I will deliver the Lost Yokai episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to Cavalcade of Tales. As always, I'm your host, Drew, the millennial who isn't a hoarder, but a collector. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, yes, I'm delivering the Yokai episode that I promised way back was going to be the Halloween special for 2023. And then I uh, had some mental health issues pop up. Uh, patrons will be learning uh, more details about this in the Patreon bonus episode. Um, I'm, I'm saving my trauma dumping for Patreon. Thank you. Um, this is also a <laughs> terrible way to start a Patreon plug. That's right, for as low as $5 a month, you too can join the Patreon, and you can get access to episodes early, access to bonus episodes. Currently, there are, is a two-parter, which is almost two and a half hours, looking at how all the Danganronpa games are essentially the same. And you also get access to episodes early, so if, you want, if you're just like, I hate waiting till every other Friday to get episodes well now you can get them every other monday and as a patron you'll also get episodes in the off weeks so essentially you're getting weekly episodes again you can do that at patreon.com cavalcade of tales the other perk is that patrons get to ask questions that are at the beginning of episodes like elise this week's patreon question is as follows no i don't know what this energy is either but this the uh question this week is quote lots of tales seem to have lots of variations what is your favorite tale and your favorite variation of it? Now, I want to start off with the caveat that asking someone who deals with like mythology, folklore, and stuff what their favorite tale is is kind of like asking a parent who their favorite child is. Everybody knows that there's a very obvious answer, but when we're put on the spot, we can't really think of it. And what I'm also going to do is I'm going to break this into two bits. Yeah, I'm going to tell you my favorite tale, partially due to the base of the fact that I have so many variations on it. And then I'm going to tell you my favorite variation of a tale, which is not about my favorite tale. So in terms of like my favorite tale, I'm pretty sure it's Alice in Wonderland. Even though Lewis Carroll is a pedophile, and that's not to be idolatrized, 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 I don't know what the difference of those words is. Um, I love things that are parodies of Alice in Wonderland or like use Alice in Wonderland as inspiration uh just looking over at my manga shelves at the moment I have a 12 volume series called Are You Alice which is set up in a Wonderland-esque uh killing game where you a young man has to take on the role of Alice and the goal is to survive a crazy world to kill the white rabbit and then looking slightly to the left I have Alice in the Country of Clover the Cheshire Cat Waltz which is a uh romance between Alice and the an anthropomorphized uh, Cheshire cat if he was in the mafia. So um I I I have a tendency to really like uh, Alice in Wonderland. I'm 
checking my other shelves. I used to have a book series. I've got a trope and regetting it again. It was called The Looking Glass Wars. I loved it when I was in high school. And it's about a girl named Alice. And it was like her getting stuck in the real world and her versus her aunt Red. And it's this whole, like, it was really good. So, like, in terms of, like, I really like Alice in Wonderland. But my favorite variation of a tale, which is going to probably make this opening segment far longer than it should be, is uh, called Jaleda. And it is essentially like a second cousin to Cinderella. So the way Jaleda works is, well, let me back this up. There is a thing when you're looking at like fairy tales and folklore that is called the, like, there's an index. It's like the art, I almost said the Arthur Uther Pendragon <laughs> index, which is not correct. Hold on, let me look this up real quick. I probably should have thought of this beforehand. One sec. It's the Arn Thompson Uther Index. The Uther was throwing me off because I immediately think of Uther Pendragon, who is uh, King Arthur's father. Uh, maybe Arthuriana is my favorite tale, but that's not really a tale. That's a collection of tales. But anyway, I'm also saving because uh, that's a very easy one to do. Like, oh, well, my favorite uh, variation of this tale is like, I like the Welsh version of Percival better than the uh, French version because the French version isn't even finished or like the German version because it's a thinly veiled notion of trying to create na German nationalism like right before World War II which always is kind of a very tricky subject to deal with but so in the I'm off track so in the Arthur Thompson Uther pet index I almost said a pen dragon again um, in folklore it like groups different folkloric stories based off of like major themes so, like, in, like, for the Cinderella umbrella, which was not an intentional rhyme, um, there's, like, you can have, like, cousins and, like, one of the, like, quote-unquote, I call them cousins because I just, that's how I think of things because I'm from New England and everyone's your cousin pretty much, so it's really hard to date. Um, but, so, like, a cousin to the Cinderella tales is, like, the... It's known as, like, the donkey skins or the cat skins tales, which is about instead of a princess who is, uh, instead of a young woman who is termed beautiful, or is, like, her beauty is, like, elevated by her clothing and then goes and seduces a prince, uh, this is a incredibly beautiful woman who is hiding her appearance from the prince. And then on top of that, uh, Jaleda is... Uh, in a fun little category called uh, the uh, sickening temptations of the father um yeah uh, we're gonna get into that so i'm gonna try to do this as fast as i can but there will be editorializing but uh what i've been told is that y'all like that so i i won't skimp on the editorializing but i'm gonna try to get through this uh, relatively quickly so um so the way jaleta works and the way the story works is there was once the king and his wife and they were very happy, but his wife died very young. And he's like, my daughter needs a mother, the kingdom needs a queen. But his wife had given him a request that whoever's uh, ankle is dainty enough to fit into her anklet should be the true, the next queen of the kingdom. And he's like, I love you, I'm a wife guy, we're going to do this. So he gets this little woman, this little old crone, and he's like, here's the anklet, test it on everybody. I want every woman to try to jam their foot into my dead wife's anklet so to see if they're worthy of being queen. And she's like, weird request, but okay. So they try. Everybody in the kingdom, all the noble-born, even all the lowly-born women, nobody could fit into the anklet. And then they left it 
like just sitting around and the daughter looks at it and she's like oh this is this is a pretty anklet and she like slips it on it fits her perfectly the king not putting two and two together instead of realizing that his wife was essentially like our daughter should be the future queen of our kingdom uh he's like she wants me to marry my daughter now part of the reason this is acceptable a thinly veiled reason this is acceptable even though it's really not um partially not only just by our standards in the uh you know 2020s but the Jaleda tale uh dates back as far as ancient egypt and there was oftentimes some intermingling between the family in that way so it was there's also a lot of intermarriage in order to keep family bloodlines pure i'm going to talk about uh, one sort of example of that in the valentine's day episode which is the next main feed publication one but so he doesn't tell his daughter though because he's like she's gonna freak out if she finds out she's marrying her dad which is a justifiable thing so the princess is like you're gonna get married i'm gonna get married and one of her servants is like i'd be excited too if i get to marry a king and she's like i thought i was marrying a prince she's like oh shit and the princess is like who am i marrying and she's like nobody and she's like i'll give you money and she's like you're marrying your father bye <laughs> and she's like ah fuck and she's like uh, okay i gotta stall this while i can figure out a way to think of an escape plan so she's just like so her father comes and he's like how is everything you about the marriage preparation she's like good but i i i'm not sure about the suitor since you know i've never met him i think i'm gonna give him some tasks and he's like tasks okay what is the first task for the suitor i will go deliver the message she's like i want to dress that is has sequins as gold as the rising sun and i want a dress made of them and he's like okay i will go let your suitor know and she's so she's like that, that should take a bit the king orders all his seamstresses spends a whole bunch of money gets the dress made it comes in like less than a week uh amazon prime two-day shipping and then she's like shit and he's like all right <laughs> what's your next task and she's like I want a dress that is beautiful as the night sky, covered in pearls of multiple constellations. And he's just like, all right, bet. So he leaves uh, Amazon Prime shipping two days later. He, she's like, here's the dress. And she's like, okay. Um, he's just like, two challenges seems fair. She's like, father, this is a fairy tale. Everything is in rules of three. And he's like, no. He's like, you're going to marry this king king whether you like it or not and she's like okay she's just like well um i'm going to properly pay the maids as a thank you uh can you leave me some money and he's like sure so she takes the money she jumps out through the terrace uh runs into the city and finds a tannery uh and, and she's just like look she's like here is a shit ton of money i need you to make me a essentially a leather burka I, the only thing that can show from it is my eyes and i and i need it done by tomorrow morning do it and i will give you riches upon your wildest dream and the guy's like honey get the kids we need slave labor but we'll be set for life so they gather up they do everything they make this dress she goes she hides her two pretty dresses because like if you're gonna if you're gonna abscond you might as well have something to wear and then friggin she goes she puts on her leather burqa and tries walking through town but she is stopped by two guards so then these guards are like hold it the princess is missing old woman have you seen her and she's just like oh 
She's like, and then she comes up with a very clever plan. She's like, my name is Jelena. I, I cannot seek. I cannot hear. I care for no one far or near. And they look at her and they're just like, clearly you can hear because you know to respond to our questions. But we don't have the time for crazy old women. So we're going to be off. And she's like, yes, all I have to do is talk in riddles that make no sense. And I'll be fucking set free. So she makes a break for it. She starts running through the desert. However, leather in the desert doesn't breathe well. So she's running and she collapses outside the home of a sheik's harem. Everyone's like, look at the gross beast. Ew, is it an ifrit? And like, somebody go poke it with a stick. And the queen's like, oh my god, that's a person. Bring it inside for fuck's sake. So it gets brought inside and the queen's like, who are you? She's like, my name is Juleta. My eyes are weak. I cannot hear. I care for no one far or near. And the queen's like, you can clearly hear because you heard me answer the question. But you're a freaky little ugly thing that talks in riddles. I love that. You have a job. So Jaleda is put to work in the kitchens and she helps with the scrubbing of dishes. And every now and again, she people will have her go and like do buffoonery uh, because she can't move well in her leather burkas. And um, because it's uh, this is an old timey tale where it was fun to make fun of the disfigured. So then the friggin prince throws a ball because it's time for him to get a wife. And of course, as the servants, um, the queen is a benevolent queen. And one of the things that I also like about the story of Jaleda is that the women are very powerful in this story. Uh, the queen is like, everybody can come to the party. Jaleda, do you want to come? My name is Jaleda. She's like, yeah, yeah, I can't see. Don't hear. Don't care. Whatever. All right. You can come if you want, but like, don't be an asshole. Like, if you don't want to come, just say no. So Jaleda's like, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stay behind. So then the party begins. Everyone's dancing. Everybody's having fun. And then a beautiful princess comes in with a golden dress, the color of the sequins, the color of the rising sun. And the prince is immediately smitten. He's like, oh, hell yeah. And he goes to his mom. She's like, that one. I want that one. And she's like, okay, first off, we don't point and say, I want that one. I raised you better. She's like, but I, let's go talk to her. So everybody's fawning over her, and they're just like, where are you from? And she's like, I'm from the land of pots and ladles. And everyone's like, how exotic. And she's like, these people are fucking morons. But then she looks, at, she looks up, and she's like, I need to get going and get changed back into my burqa so that um, people, so I can get back to doing my dish, dishes and shit. But the people are like, no, stay. I want to hear more about you. And so what she does is she does that like thing in Assassin's Creed where she like rips off a bunch of the golden sequins and like throws them to the floor, which distracts everybody so she can make her escape. And the king and the prince is just like, where did she go? She's she's like, she's hot and she's smart. What perfect. And the queen's like, yes, perfect. I need a fucking smart one. My son's a himbo. So she's like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to throw another party. So she goes down and she's like, girls, get ready we're doing double time we're throwing another party there was a hot princess that the prince wants to marry but she ran off so we're going to try to entice her with another party again everybody's invited jaleda if you want to come come if not don't give me your weird rhyme and jaleda's just like all right so then uh this time the prince is like i have a plan i'm going to even though this is my party be a fucking creeper and hide around the door so that when the princess tries to escape I can nab her and she can escape because I will be holding on to her. And the queen's like, what a terribly interesting plan. Okay. So the party comes. The princess arrives this time in a beautiful dark gown covered in pearls that are essentially the shapes of constellations. 
and everyone's like you're back you're pretty you're smart tell us more about you and she's just like oh i come from the pans of pots and ladles and i'm like you already told us that and she's like yes but a lot of you are vapid and stupid and clearly don't understand what that means and they're just like oh it's so hot when you're mean to us and <laughs> this is going places can you tell i haven't been sleeping well uh <laughs> then they go and Jaleda's like uh, she's like okay it's time for me to go she starts to make her escape throws but this time she throws the pearls down to distract the party she's like and the prince runs and he grabs her he's like i got you now he's like i have to know your name and she's like no he's like well where can i find you she's like the land of pots and ladles is nobody fucking listening to me so she struggles she makes her escape but when she leaves she accidentally slips off the prince's ring and has it with her so the prince is is like okay this is my chance. I am going on an adventure to the land of pots and ladles. Have the kitchen crew make me some food for my long journey. I do not know when I will be back. And the queen's just like, okay, we don't know what this land of pots and ladles are, but if it means that much to you, like, uh, I'll support you. I'm a good mom. So they go down and she's like, everybody, we need to prepare food for travel for the young prince because... Uh, he is traveling to the lands of pots and ladles to find his bride. And Juleta's like, my fucking god damn it. And she's like, Juleta's like, if it is all right with you, ma'am, may I assist in the cooking? And she's just, and the queen's like, yeah, sure, why the fuck not? Like, here you go, here's some bread. But remember, Juleta is a princess. She didn't learn how to cook. She was having people cooking for her. So the bread loaf that she made looked lumpy and weird, but she still sent it with the prince's ring inside of it. So they send it off. So they send all the food off, and the prince and a retinue start to travel away. They get to a nearby oasis. They take a break to get some water, eat something. And the men are just like, ew, what the hell's wrong with this loaf? Look at this thing. And the prince is like, listen, Juleta wanted to make us food, and it was very nice. It's nice that Juleta is actually wanting to do something for us. Give it to me. I'll eat the loaf. So he breaks the loaf in half, and inside he finds his ring. And he's just like, how did Juleta get my ring? The princess stole it. He's like, wait a second. And he's just like, what are those kitchen tools that they use in the kitchen? He's like, well, they use, like, pots and ladles and shit. And he's like, oh. He's like, okay, we're going home. And they're just like, really, already? They're like, yes, I figured out that it's a riddle. I, It's a fucking riddle. Okay, off we go. So they go back home, and the, and the queen's just like, did you figure it out? Did you find the plate of pots and ladles? He's like, yes, it was a riddle. He's like, I want a meal prepared, and I want Jaleda to bring it to me. And she's like, you want the clumsy one in the weird smelling burka to bring you your food? He's like, yes. And she's like, okay. So she goes down to the kitchen and she's like, Jaleda, the prince has requested that you bring him his food. And she's like, okay. And so Jaleda goes, she trips on her burka, drops the food everywhere. Uh, the kitchen staff is like, just let someone else bring you the food. It's okay. Thank you, Jaleda. You tried. We appreciate that. Like, they're all actually really nice to Jaleda, even though, like, the reason she was brought there was to be made fun of her. Like, they're all mostly really nice to her, which is another reason why I like this version. At least the version I learned of it is that they're all actually really nice to Jaleda, even though she's portrayed as this old, blind, bitchy old woman <laughs> in this case. So then the prince is like, no, 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 no. She's bringing me the food. And they're just like, weird ask but okay so they get it set up they have a couple people help her bring it closer to the table and like make sure she's not tripping on anything and then they're like okay you're set to put it down on the table we'll take our leave they take their leave Jaleta puts the meal down and the prince is like surprise knife and slices the leather burka and then lo and behold he finds his beautiful princess on the inside 
And however, Jelena under the burka is uh, only in her underwear because it's hot in leather. So she goes and she hides behind a curtain. And he's like, Mother, mother, come quick. And she runs and she's like, What what happened? He's and she sees like the pile of rags on the ground. She's like, You killed Jelena? What the fuck? It's like, what's the point of having her bring you food? Why? What'd she do to piss you off? Did you did she fuck up the bread? If she fucked up the bread, you can just tell me she fucked up the bread. Like, there's no reason to kill her. And he's like, Look behind the curtain. And then she's like, What's behind the oh, oh what's behind the curtain? What's behind curtain number one? Is it our dead fucking servant? And then she's like, Oh, so there she sees Jelena the princess. She's like, okay. Oh, she's like, oh, you're clever. I like that in a woman. Okay, you definitely get to marry my son. So then Jelena and the prince get to live happily ever after. But there is a there is more. Oh my god, this has taken twenty minutes. <laughs> There's more. So Jelena and the prince, they get together, and then the king of Jelena's the Jelena's father comes with the uh matchmaker he had hired in chains and he's just like i am hunting for my daughter um i at this point i just want her to come home i want to let her know that the marriage is not going to go through and i i'm looking for hospitality while i hunt for my daughter so jelena goes to her husband and she's like okay look let's play a trick on these people and he's like okay (laughs) that's hilarious and she's like what we're gonna do is i'm gonna dress as you and then i we're after dinner we're gonna keep everybody here and we're gonna do an exchange of stories and then I'm we're gonna get to the bottom of this. She's like, doesn't that? She's like, I want you waiting in the wings. He's like, okay. So they go. She welcomes them. She's like, have a seat, feast, and then afterwards we'll uh, retire with some opium and or whatever, and we'll have some drinks and tell stories. And then he's like, oh well, the ho- of course. And he's like, As in due course, let's let the host go first. And she's like, yes, let me tell you about this story I learned about a young beautiful princess who was in her homeland she lost her mother very young and then she was mortified to find out that her father wanted to marry her because of an arbitrary rule his mother placed that he didn't realize meant that she should just be queen and then she ran far away and faced many hardships but then became a ruler of her own kingdom where everybody liked her even when she was an ugly old woman and he's like this is a very pointed tale and she like rips off the fake mustache she's like because i am your daughter it's like that scene in the Lord of the Rings where like the helmet comes off. She's like, I am no man. And he's like, oh, my daughter. She's like, yeah, I married a prince. No thanks to you. And he's just like, okay, I know the solution here. I'm going to give the prince half my kingdom as dowry. And I'm going to throw this old woman who said I should marry you off a bridge. And she's like, no, take responsibility, you old bastard. And that's Jelena. And this has been an extremely long Patreon bonus question. Okay, that took a lot longer than expected, uh, but now we'll get into the actual uh, crux of the episode. So uh, this, uh, what I was planning to do way back on Halloween of last year was I was going to do a yokai parade, but I was going to do mainly yokai that are like more recent inventions, not just instead of like consulting my uh, Japandemonium uh, archive of yokai, I wanted to do some more like recent looking ones. So what I did is I think I found six, uh, one, two, uh, three, four, five. I have five. So I found five more yokai that are more recent. Um, and in doing research for one of them, I uh, got addicted to a book series that I've bought uh, over 10 volumes in. So that's going to be a fun point to go into. But uh, I was going to call this like instead of a yokai parade, it's a uh, yokai uber 
because uh, they all have come out. Uh, most of these, uh, their origins are in the 1900s or so. So, for example, our first, oh, also apologies in advance. Japanese is not my native tongue. I have not learned how to speak Japanese properly, uh, so I will do my best for pronunciations. I looked up the pronunciation of a bunch of these, and or a bunch of these have, you know, phonetic, more phonetically sounding pronunciations. But I apologize in advance for any pronunciation errors. It is not meant to send a disrespect to the Japanese people or their cultures. So, the first one we have is the Kujisaki Ono. Uh, as we remember from our trilogy in the first season of uh, Lady Monsters and the Men Who Love Them, which was, <laughs> what did I call it again? The Sadie Hawkins Monster Match. <laughs> that was not the name. I did want to talk about monster fuckers, but I did not find enough info. Um, but as we remember from that, that like a lot of female spirits have the name Ona at the end because that just means woman. So the Kujisaka Ona is also known as the Slit Mouth Woman. This is a malevolent spirit of a woman who was mutilated in her life, often skulking about metropolitan areas in a beautiful kimono, wearing a medical mask, handkerchief, or a fan, which blocks the lower from her nose down of her face. So the um, so the way it works is when she has found a vi there's a lot of victims in this one, and I apologize in advance, but when she has found a victim, she approachly she approaches the person, usually a man. Uh, and she's like, she's like, do you think I'm pretty? Or she asks in Japanese, Watashi Kirai. If they say yes, she removes her face covering, revealing the fact that she is, her mouth has been split from ear to ear. And she's like, do you still think I'm pretty? Or Kore Demo? If they say no, or scream in terror, uh, she slices their face so it matches hers. Uh, if they say yes, and can like, compose himself she leaves but then she follows them home and kills them in their sleep so like i guess you get like a more merciful death a more re uh, recent versions of the tale there are a few ways to escape this yokai the first is to give vague answers to her initial question to just be like she's like do you think i'm pretty he's like eh, like a five and she's like, what like kind of just like <laughs> giving a very vague answer he's like or be like, do you think I'm pretty? Well, what is pretty? Like, do you, yes, you, you might have a pretty face, but like, how's your personality? Or like, if I, or God forbid, if I ever ran into a Kujisaki, I'm like, do you think I'm pretty? I'm like, yes, but how intelligent are you? Because nothing's a bigger turnoff than a fucking moron. Um, the other way is to like throw hard candy at her feet, because since she has such a large mouth, she really loves the sweets, which is uh, weird. So one of the interesting things is that there was actually a Kujisake One Panic. So it is uh, allegedly, some people say it is occurred in the Edo period, which was the 17th to 19th centuries. However, uh, it was the year 1799 is where her story actually gained like a lot of credence. So in January of 1799, the Gifu Prefecture newspaper Gifu Nichi Nichi Shimbun first published the tale, followed by the weekly publication Shukan Asai in March and the Shukan Shinsho in April, uh, which told the story of a former uh, sex worker who fell in love with a shogun, but when his wife found out and told them to end the affair and she refused, uh, he sliced her face open. Uh, the uh, buzz around the dangerous spirit spread through Japan so much that uh, some parent-teacher associations asked people to walk with young children home from the school. 
because there was issues of like women in medical masks coming up being like do you think i'm pretty to like scare children because i don't know scaring children is kind of fun uh the evolution of her tail is also friggin changed a bit from the 70s there's also some versions where she uh, wields a large pair or a just multiple pairs of incredibly sharp scissors um and so she can use them to either kill the victim if they uh, say yes she's pretty to the second half of her question they're what she uses to slice their face if they say no or scream during the second part of her question or in some versions if they if she starts out saying do you think i'm pretty and you just straight up say no she cuts you in half using those scissors one of the interesting things about these more modern yokai that i found is that there's a lot of like it's very hard to get away from them like it's just like honey you're gonna die unless you know like some very specific facts so yeah the kujisake ona the slit mouth woman is also very famous um if you've played if you've played the game ghostwire tokyo she's in that um i watched a playthrough of it and i'm like oh kujisake ona very nice very nice and it's she's a very popular modern day uh yokai so our next modern yokai is known as the teke teke it's also known as the Hijake Babe, and this usually is the ghost of a yokai, traditionally female, uh, of a human torso without the lower half of its body, and it runs on their arms while holding a stick, so it like runs at you like using its forearms, and it'll have like a sickle in its mouth or in one of its hands, it'll just be like hopping at you. Um, the teke teke is called that because that is the uh, automatopoeia for the sound of running on your hands which is always something really interesting uh in most of the current iterations she chases her victims down dark roads and can even keep up with uh, certain uh, modes of vehicles uh in most versions she slices the person in half taking their legs for her own and then turning the victim into a new teke teke um there's also uh, various versions depending on like which part of Japan you're getting the serum from. Uh, a common version names that the uh, original Teke Teke is a ver woman from a Hokkaido. In this tale, she is an office worker during World War II who was raped by American military personnel, and she escaped the men. Um, in order to fully get away from them, she threw herself in front of a train, uh, which the impact hit her so abruptly that it split her in half. However, because of the severe cold of, that it can get in Hokkaido, her blood vessels contracted, which prevented her from bleeding out properly. She, so she crawled towards the station to try to get assistance. And the station attendant uh, was concerned and covered her body with a tarp instead of getting her help, which she had died in agony. And then that is what, and that agonizing death and not being helped is what led to the creation of the Teke Teke because it turns her into a malevolent spirit, which a lot of yokai kind of fall into a malevolent spirit thing, which is also known as an onryo. Um, it is said that after being, after hearing the legend, you will get a riddle in your dreams or in a mysterious phone call that says it is a test. And if you fail or don't know the answer to these questions, the teke teke will hunt you down. So, so first she will ask, do you need your legs? And you respond with, yeah, I need them right now. Then she will say, who told you my story? And you have to answer Kashima Raiko, which is uh, originally uh, believed to be the name of the Hokkaido woman who was attacked. 
This is also a name because it is made of the characters Ka as in mask, She as in death, Ma as in demon, Ray as in ghost, and Ko as in accident. Which is one of those uh, really neat things. Sometimes when you're watching animes, you can see people be like, my name is this written with the characters for like da-da-da and da-da-da-da. That's why Kashima Raiko is like that because it's made with the characters for death mask, demon, and ghost, and accidental ghost. Which is also like really interesting. There's also a bathroom version of this one, which there's going to be a lot of bathroom demons in this episode, so buckle up. So there's a bathroom bound version of the Teke Teke because the vengeful spirit of Kashima Raiko predates uh, the Teke Teke legends. Because like for Teke Teke, you need to have trains. It is said that after learning the uh, the death of Kashima Raiko. Uh, you meet her legless ghost who asks, do you know where my legs are? If you answer the wrong, she cuts your legs off. But if you say it was by the Mission Expressway, which was the first expressway in Japan being opened in 1963, then you live. So essentially before the, like the phone, the availability of like the phone call version, she'd be like, hey, do you know where my legs are? And you just have to be like, yeah, they're by the first train. And she's like, okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, in the new version, she's like, can I have my legs and have your legs? And you're like, no, I'm using them. She's like, well, what's my name? And then you tell her your name. She's like, okay, fine. I'll go hunt down someone else. It's kind of a very interesting little thing. I thought the Teke Teke I always thought is really interesting. And I love the whole thing of like that running on your palms. Like, hold on, let's see if I can like, re do I have something I can use to recreate the sound? Like, let me just. That kind of sound in Japanese automatopoeia is called a teke teke, which I just thought was neat. Um, it usually probably sounds a little bit different because I was just uh, slapping my hand on a book, but um, I don't feel like running around to the floor and uh, slapping on the floor because I live in the third floor and I have people who live under me and that would be rude. So our next yokai is one that I fell down a rabbit hole in the pop culture version of this creature. So this is Hanako-san. This is a toilet-bound onryo or vengeful spirit said to inhabit bathrooms primarily in schools, whether they be elementary, middle, or high school. It, they're in all public schools. Traditionally, this is uh, the women's bathroom. The women's bathroom in Japan, based off some of these spirits, is just a dangerous place. And it's like, don't go pee in public. So uh, traditionally, she is a young girl with a bobbed haircut wearing a red skirt or red dress. Uh, she is also... Let's skip that part for now. Um, there are three versions of how Hanako-san came to be bound to the bathroom. Uh, first, uh, again, because the American bombing of World War II, the Americans are a problem in Japan, uh, it is said that she was killed during a bombing raid during World War II when she attempted to shelter in the bathroom stall of her school, and then the school was destroyed by bombs. The second is that she had stayed late at school one day and she had run into a serial killer who chased her down and she tried to hide in a bathroom stall and that's where he found her and killed her. And the third version is that she was the victim of extreme vicious bullying and she had hung herself in the third bathroom stall. Sometimes it's the third bathroom stall, sometimes it's the fourth bathroom stall. Japan, uh, Japan has a real uh, mixed relationship with the number four because the Japanese word for four, which I believe is she, um, is very close to their word for death, so the number four is considered very unlucky, whereas number three is a magic number, and it's a magic number everywhere. So, 
The ritual to summon the spirit of Hanako-san involves going to the third floor of the school and going to the third stall and knocking three times on the stall. And then you go, you know, is Hanako-san there? And if the spirit is there, she will respond with some variant of yes, I am. Whatever happens next is very different depending on the, the region. So sometimes a ghostly and bloody hand appears on the stall to scare the person to run away out of the bathroom. Sometimes a bloody ghostly hand grabs the person and drags them into the toilet through a portal to hell or like the underworld. Or is Hanako-san there? The voice, you hear a young girl's voice say yes. And when you open the stall door to check, it is a three-headed fire-breathing lizard who eats the knocker saying you need to respect Hanako-san's privacy. Um, which is always really interesting to me, that one. Just the surprise. No. So the reason I fell into a bit of a rabbit hole is because, and the reason I've been saying Hanako-san this entire time, is because there is a popular manga series by an artist called Al Drano uh, called Toilet Bound Hanako-kun. And it's about a young girl who is the head of like a paranormal club at her school. She's... And she goes and investigates, and she, through a manner of, like, buffoonery and such, gets her soul bonded to Hanako-kun, who is a young male in this series. So this young girl and young boy are set on taking care of the school's seven mysteries and various, you know, other yokai and spirit phenomena. Uh... Although the art style is a little childish, it is a very good series. I currently own volumes 0 through 9. Uh, volume 0 coming out much later because it's like a prequel book about like a bunch of stuff that happened. But it's a very good series. I actually really recommend it. Um, the characters are fun and charming. Um, and the art and for the subject matter, the, like the, although the art style is a bit cutesy, like it is not shy away from disturbing subject matter, which is super fun. Um, the concept of like school mysteries, I should probably note, is a common thing in Japanese media in schools where there's like constantly legends like, did you know about how there's a, like, to spoil some pieces of the, sh the book, it's like, did you know that there's a special tree that if you profess your love to your person under the tree, they fall in love forever? And like, they have to go and they fix it and it turns out there's like a spirit living in the tree. Or like, did you know that if you walk up the stairs, if you if you have both your feet land on the fourth step uh, you get teleported to another world or like did you know that there's a uh, library in the school that that has the book that tells when everybody's gonna die it's like little like urban legends that pop up in schools which always happen in younger grades and it's a very common phenomena in uh like japanese schools and both from what i've seen in manga video games and anime uh, for example, in uh, Persona Q, a game which I think there were two of them, and I believe that they are one of the best things to come out of the DS because it is a, it is a Persona-based dungeon crawler where you use the bottom screen and stylus to draw the map of the dungeon so you can find your way around, and I think that is just a beautiful fucking, like, oh god, I love that game so much. If I wasn't playing Pokemon right now, I'd be playing that, like, oh god, so good. I'm probably gonna hop back to that after. Well, I don't know, I've been buying a lot of games with my tracks return. But anyway, uh, in Persona Q, they talk about, like, the school seven mysteries, and one of the mysteries is a random bell tower that seems to chime, and if you hear the bell chime, you get teleported to the past. And then mysterious things happen in the game after a bell tower chimes. 
I can't go into detail because I haven't beaten the game. <laughs> but uh, so like uh, mi mysteries of schools are very common, and like Hana and Hanako San is a very common one. But who boy, I bought the first volume just to like get a little idea of how the series went, so I could talk about it back in October. Uh, and I really took to it, and I now have ten different volumes. And it's uh, it's really fun. It's 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 cutesy but fun. Uh, so our next yokai is a uh, special request, um, because when I originally was going to do this episode, I'm like, hey, do people want to hear about some uh, yokai? And one that popped up that I heard about was the Shirime. Um, I don't have a time period for when this one came out, but I wanted to do this one as a special mention. Uh, I don't know, Varax from Discord, if you're listening, uh, yeah, this one's for you. So the Shirume is an, a very weird yokai, which on its surface just looks like a regular man, but uh, he, what he does is he gets nude and exposes his butthole only to, for the victim to notice that there is an eye a large eye where his butthole should be <laughs> so this one isn't necessarily like malevol malevolent like it doesn't it, like this one is i think the only one on the list that isn't going to kill you if you don't do specific things but like he's really weird because it's just like you're just walking around and this guy's like hey and you're just like what was that and then you just find a nude man showing you his butthole and there's an eye where his whole his butthole should be and you're just like what the fuck so according to legend a samurai was walking to kyoto when he heard someone exclaim who's there when he turned around, he was startled to see a man stripping and showing his ass to him where his anus should be was a huge glittering eye. And that's where that story ends. It's not necessarily a malevolent spirit because it doesn't hurt anybody, but it just kind of like, it derives pleasure from making people uncomfortable and scaring them, which is just kind of like some weirdly weird shit. And that's what a sheer, and that's all I could find on the Shirame, honestly. And now for our final modern day yokai, uh, we are once again going to delve into the dangerous place that is your own bathroom. For the Akamanto, or Red Cape, it is also known as the Aoimanto, or Blue Cape, or the Akaikami Aoikami, Red Paper, Blue Paper. This is a mass specter that haunts public restrooms, whether they be school bathrooms or just like regular public restrooms. Uh, once again, this is a being that primarily stalks women's bathrooms and it is a male spirit so like problematic alert already <laughs> shame this yokai fucking canceled oh my god i can't believe like what is this gross so um is a usually a large cloaked figure either in a red cape or a blue cape depending on the variation uh sometimes under his mask he is a handsome man which we will come back to in a very weird way that i was not expecting when i started researching this one <laughs> So in all versions, the encounter begins when a victim goes into the bathroom and then goes to the toilet paper and notices that there is none there. Then the Akamanto arrives and asks the person, would you like red paper or blue paper? If This is a trap because both choices will lead to death. If you choose the red paper, the spectator flays your back with a massive knife who causes your blood to pour down your back. And your skin to be like left flapping on your back as though you're wearing like a flesh cape and the person usually dies of blood loss but if you choose the blue paper uh he strangles you and your face turns blue due to asphyxiation so uh you don't really uh you don't win either way if you try to outsmart the guy uh 
nine times out of ten for most of the versions of the story if you try to say something different he's just like no that's not how this works and he just drags you through the toilet to hell um although there are a few accepted variations where if you know it's like oh well if you have red and blue paper obviously the other primary color is yellow it's like can i have the yellow paper and what he does if you ask for yellow paper is he drowns you in your own piss or or shit whatever you were doing in the toilet beforehand he dunks your face in and drowns you in it he does not appreciate your jokes uh, the main way to survive this encounter is either to refuse the paper outright or simply run away from the bathroom. Like, if he's, like, red or blue paper, you're like, oh, I don't need any thanks. Or if he's, like, red or blue paper, and you're just like, bitch, bye. That's the only way to get out of this alive. Now, the thing I wasn't expecting when I started researching this is that there are also eroticized versions of this tale. So, in the versions where you find out that the uh, Akibanto is an uh, incredibly handsome man in a mask... He offers you, would you like the red paper or the white paper? If you choose the red paper, a massive tongue emerges from the toilet and starts licking you underneath, um, which uh, I think was the polite way that the uh, Japan the like uh, wiki uh, was trying to tell me that uh, if you chose the red paper, you're going to get cunnilingus. And then if you choose the white hand, a white gloved hand comes from within the toilet and begins to fondle you. And it's just kind of like... I'm not here to kink shame, but um, this clearly is enough for me. <laughs> and when I was starting to do an episode on, like, yokai, I did not expect to find the phrase in eroticized versions of this tale. But here we are. Um, so you should hope that you get offered red or white paper, because then you're going to have a good fucking time. Um, so origins of this tale trace it back to the 1930s. 30s but the thing is is like if you trace it back to the 1930s you have to understand that the japanese word manto uh, has sort of like colloquially changed what it means because for now it means like cloak or cape but in the 1930s it meant a shorter length komodo so it was instead of like a uh, scary mass caped figure which i if you put when i say you know a, a tall caped figure with a mask like i could see why some people fetishized it but um in the original version he was a man in like a short length kimono which i don't know could be hot i'm not sure different strokes for different blokes or whatever but you know whatever happens between one or more consenting adults behind closed doors is none of my fucking business um so it refer but this you know short length kimono was actually kind of like a sort of dates back to a children's like one of these like seven mysteries children urban legends where a short kimono wearing man hides in the fourth stall of a bathroom again that number four being associated with death and anybody who went to the abandoned fourth stall of a place would be killed so that's how you started getting this like myth of this akimanto this per this serial killer of children who hides in the fourth bathroom stall which then turned into a malevolent specter when it mantos changed from kimonos to capes and then everyone's just like "Ooh, a masked man in a cape my, my, my. and then it got fetishized and again we're not here to shame monster fuckers fucking the 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 amount of horny the internet had for lady dimitrescu is not without merit and that going back to the first episode of the Sadie Hawkins Monster Mash, we talked at 
a bit about teratophilia, which is the sexual attractions to monsters. So, like, I am not here to kink shame it. It's more of just I was surprised that that was an avenue I could go down. <laughs> but, yeah, so that is our multiple yokai for our uh, modern-day yokai parade uh, through Ubers. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, sorry that this week's episode is a little bit shorter. Um, it wasn't my intention, and apparently it would have been a lot shorter if I didn't go on that 20-minute tangent about fucking Jaleda. Um, originally, I was going to uh, do it. I'm going to save this in my back pocket for a future episode. My original plan was to get shit-faced and try to tell as much of the Odyssey saga, or like the Trojan War saga from start to Oedipus, or not Oedipus, Odysseus's end as I could. But uh, when I uh, started drinking for it yesterday, I couldn't be fucked. And then I just, it's, it's, it's only 1 p.m. here where I'm recording now. Like, I can't get, be getting, like, it's Sunday, yes, but I'm not, I don't have time to get drunk. I have so many dishes to do. So apologies for the shorter episode this time. Um, I hope you enjoyed all the okay. Uh, next episode, I already have planned out. It's going to be a Valentine's Day special. We're going to be looking at various romantic things and uh, apply some real-life uh, romance stuff to uh, the vision, the um, our various stories and tales through pop culture and history. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, as always, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Goodreads, or TikTok at White Trash Historian. Uh, always looking. To- looks forward to hearing from you guys and how you like the episodes um if you want to support the podcast financially get access episodes early join the members only discord and get bonus episodes and to get to weekly episodes and remember we go back to weekly main feed episodes once we hit 50 patrons you can do so at uh, cal- uh, patreon.com slash cavalcade of tales and uh yeah have a good day uh blessed be and uh i'll talk to you guys soon bye